This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame, so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hello, and welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. Today, we have another awesome, powerful conversation for you. We're chatting with Sharon Randolph, and Sharon is a holistic health practitioner and a doula. And so in our conversation, we chat about her own pregnancy experience and why she had some depression during that time. We talk about the need to educate families on their options and advocacy, how important it is for men to support their partners in a powerful way. And we talk about more attention that is needed in supporting women of color and resources for underserved communities in the birth world. And Sharon is just amazing. You guys, she is more Testament to what I now know that doulas are amazing people and we will be utilizing a doula in the future for any births. And they are just so needed in this birth world to support and uplift mamas, educate families. And it's a beautiful thing. And we're so grateful to Sharon for hanging out with us. So here's our conversation. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hi, Sharon. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Sharon, we're excited to have you on the podcast today. And me in particular, because you and I have been in email correspondence for, I think we did the math, about five months. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, it's been a little while and, and it's cool to have gotten to know you via email for all those months. And now we get to have you on, hear your voice and just, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure. So thank you. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here and to just have the opportunity to share this time and space with you and Sarah. Mm, That's beautiful. Uh, Sharon, why don't you just kick us off before we get into all the awesome, juicy stuff, just a little bit about you and who you are and, you know, your family. Um, It's me, Sharon. Um, I'm the wife to Vincent and mom to Savannah. Savannah will be two in June, and Vincent and I have been together for almost three years now. So our anniversary is coming up in April, so that's exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And what do you do? What's your, your passion work right now, and what are you, what sort of things are you involved in? So I am a doula. I am a yoga instructor. I like to call myself a holistic wellness practitioner. Mm, That's the word that I most identify with. I love that. That's great. I think um, when you said those words too, I'm sure there were a lot of ears that perked up, you know, as listening. Oh, oh, I'm excited for this now, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Talk to us, you know, we want to get into the actual work um, particularly the communities you serve, because I think it's a it's a powerful conversation and it's something that the listeners are really going to enjoy. Um, but why don't you start by just sharing a little bit about your story and talk to us about how you got into the work that you do today? Sure. So for my doula work, you know, uh, when my husband and I found out that we were pregnant. You know, most women I feel are excited when they find out they're pregnant, but I actually cried because I was 28, we had just got engaged, and I was on state insurance, and I just knew from the last two years of being on state insurance that it wasn't going to be the best experience. And so we started looking for midwives, and we did find one close that accepted the insurance, but it was 45 minutes from where we lived and so we contemplated and by we I mean my now husband and I we contemplated if that was the best choice for us um and ultimately we felt it wasn't and so we found uh, a nearby hospital who did have midwives working in their clinic there but the downside to that was you know she wouldn't be able to be present for our labor and delivery unless she was on call. Um, And then to make matters worse, you know, at 38 weeks, we found out that she had to take family medical leave because someone in her family fell ill. So, you know, I was saddened by that, but then I had become familiar with her and now towards the end of my pregnancy, I'm meeting with someone new. And right away, this person is asking me if I wanted to be induced, like, first meeting me. So I thought that was really bold. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is bold. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we declined, you know, and then again at 39 weeks, I was asked the same thing. And I recognized that, you know, maybe the population of women that these health professionals come to be used to, women may not necessarily educate themselves. So maybe they say yes, and then they tell them these certain things and they, you know, agree to it, but I wasn't willing to do so. But then at the 40-week mark, they told me that I was putting myself and my baby at risk and that, you know, they wouldn't allow me to go past 41 weeks so that they gave me that week to pretty much see what would happen. But, you know, I pretty much was told I had to be induced. 
Um, and I didn't feel comfortable challenging that at the time to even know that, you know, this was not right. Um, and I wish I had a doula to guide me and support me during that process. And so, you know, ultimately my laboring process was horrible. It was traumatic. And I didn't even come to recognize how traumatizing my experience was until I entered into my doula program. And I'm not even really sure what led me there. I just felt a calling to it. I saw a post on Facebook, you know, and I made a note to like go to the information sessions, missed the information sessions and ended up emailing, you know, the director saying like, you know, I didn't make it, but I'm really interested. She emailed me back saying, you know, everyone had been accepted and, you know, maybe they would do it the following year. So I was kind of bummed out. That same day, she emailed me back saying someone had dropped out and if I wanted to come. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is so perfect. Oh, yeah. And while I was there, yeah, it was really, I felt like, you know, one of those things that, you know, you're led to. And I wasn't really even sure why. But while I was there, during that first weekend of training, they had a video playing. And it brought tears to my eyes because as I'm watching this woman laboring and her experience and how traumatizing it was for her, doctors yelling at her and I'm just crying because I'm like it was almost like I had a flashback and it was like I was there had not even realized that that was my experience I had been I created a story because you know once your child is born in the world it's like everything else doesn't matter you know you have this beautiful baby you forget I guess or maybe I forgot but it brought me back to that moment and it's what led me to doing this work, and I'm honored to just be able to serve the women that I served. And it's not just a low-income state insurance thing, I feel, because, you know, one of my clients had insurance, but she still didn't even receive, you know, quality care. And, Matthew, I love that you shared your story with me about you and Sarah, because I wish I was bold enough to say, you know what, I'm doing this at home, and you know, I didn't even think that a midwife would come to my home. So maybe if I had that knowledge, I could have called that midwife who was 45 minutes away, you know, who did accept my insurance and just advocate for myself in a different way, you know, that I didn't know that I could. So I'm grateful to be able to be in this space, providing these, you know, resources and education to these women that, you know, we can empower ourselves to have the births that we want and, you know, demand it as a right, you know? Ooh, that's so powerful. So much of what you said resonates. And, you know, early on, as you were talking, the word advocate was just kind of hovering above my head. And that was the word I kept seeing, you know, scroll around. And then when you just said advocacy, I was like, yes, you know, it came back around to it. I just, it seems like what you're able to do now and be that presence, be that resource, that support, that piece of education for those women, do you feel in a way through doing that work, you're able to kind of heal the aspects of your story? No, absolutely. That's the middle ground for me, that that I'm here doing the work that I would have liked for myself and creating positive um, experiences for these women and giving them better birth outcomes because that's what it's all about, like just getting back to doing what our body naturally does um, and not creating this fear, like letting the fear be removed from that narrative and just getting back to what is sacred and what is whole and what is, you know, what women have done for centuries and not, you know, 
with all of this extra, um, I don't even know what to call it. I'd rather not even put a name to it, but just the fear around birthing and, and uh, disempowering women around their birthing experiences and not um, making them feel that they can do it and that they can do it in the way in which they want to. Mm. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I'm wondering if you are open to going down a little path here with me because it's been a conversation that's been coming up in the birth world and I've seen it around, you know, social media, which is, I would say 90% of the time, even more than that, you know, is all empowering information and knowledge. Um, but sometimes there's the the some of the pain that can come up around the history of birth and um, birth in our country in particular and birth care and OBGYN and the history of midwifery and that conversation of acknowledging when it's been um, when there's been injustice and pain and frustration through, you know, through history. And now, you know, we're we're coming to these conversations of women not all women are receiving the same kind of care or access to care. And, and that, that conversation is, is out right now. How do you, and doing the work that you do kind of, you said to change the narrative and remove some of the fear, the hurt, the, the, the victimhood around that and create something empowering with it. So what it is, is, is it really is just having conversations, transparent and authentic conversations oh, yeah. um, and not having it behind closed doors. I feel like I love the work that you and Matthew are doing with just having this podcast because, you know, these are the times that we have to start, you know, bringing awareness to things that, you know, have been behind closed doors and conversations that are being had. And a lot of people are fearful of being able to speak up and, and say anything because, you know, there's not just, you know, disempowerment and oppression happening on one level. It's happening on all levels. And I think that, you know, we keep trying to pull the veil on each level and just that of saying that it's happening and let's just try to figure out which ways to better to be able to deal with it. And I feel like it begins with things like this, having these transparent conversations um, and being open about what's taking place um, and not turning a blind eye to it. And so for me with my clients, it's just really giving them the education because even in the things that we read in books, and I learned this from, you know, in a former life, I was a therapist. And I learned that from everything I read in my textbooks, it didn't matter because when I got in a therapy room, that was the experience mm. because the textbooks are, you know, it, it's just one narrative and it's just one way of thinking. And there's a multitude and we're, we're a multiverse. And I think people forget that um, and forget to be able to connect to that. Um, and so I just try to not to go too off topic, but I, I just try to like give my clients the resources, whether that's like, you know, they ask me my opinion. Sometimes, again, I use that therapeutic skill in that moment and, and try to figure out why is it that they want to know certain things about my experience? Is it to internalize it and make it their own? Or is it because there's a genuine interest and, you know, um, they want to have, you know, information that they don't currently have? And it's something to navigate through for myself and definitely 
something I'm aware of, but mostly I try to give them resources and connecting them to resources, including things like this podcast, for them to educate themselves on other experiences, to just give them insight um, into other forms and other ways of birthing so that they feel equipped and knowing how to advocate for themselves when they do get into the delivery room. And even before that, when they're going to prenatal appointments, asking certain questions and challenging the things that they're being asked because sometimes, you know, healthcare professionals will speak to their clients in certain ways and say language that clients aren't familiar of, whether it be an educational thing, whether it be a language barrier, you know, with so many different levels beyond that. But a lot of the times I find that, you know, people say, okay, not really knowing and not really um, feeling comfortable to ask further or to probe further and just saying like, you know, this person is educated, so they know what they're talking about versus saying, well, I would like to know more um, and educate myself on this because it's foreign to me. Mm. Sarah and I are over here just nodding our heads. Yeah. Like, yep, yep. That's awesome. I get the sense you have a very heart-led practice, and that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Like I told you, I did not, like, if I would have, you know, saw visions of my future, I would not have seen myself doing this work. But, again, it's an honor to just be doing it, and I don't take it lightly at all. I recognize that um, it's from the heart space and, and that's why I value the work I do so much. It's a service, really. Mm, yeah, we get that. We get that. I, I have a question. Um, earlier, you talked about conversations that uh, are kept behind the closed doors or the things that you know your clients might be uncomfortable talking about or, or bringing to you or just talking amongst themselves. Um, so what is one of the biggest issues or questions that your clients bring to you that you hear over and over again, um, things that are typically kept behind closed doors that people might feel shame or fear uh, about bringing up? What are some of those things that you hear often? Well, one of the things right now that um, has been being brought up, and especially in the media, um, I actually was listening to a podcast on NPR recently um, about a woman who uh, died in a childbirth, an African-American woman uh, who was educated um, and uh, had some previous health issues, but was an educated woman and who was advocating for herself within this hospital system in Atlanta, there in Atlanta. Yes. Um, and um, I found it, you know, interesting listening to this podcast that this woman went to the hospital and, you know, they weren't listening to her. And I think even Serena Williams talked about this in an interview that she just did. And, you know, the quality of care that, you know, African-American women and not even just African-American women, because it's happening for Hispanic and the Latino culture as well, you know, um, and the Caribbean-American women, like women of color in general are not receiving adequate care in these healthcare spaces. Um, and the value that's being seen there, it's lacking. Um, and I love that, you know, in media and in social culture, these conversations are being had and it's being brought to the forefront because it's so important. And this is why I feel like, you know, midwifery and doula work is so important is that we get back to what we know and get back to what was, you know, always has been. This is not something that's new that, you know, it's just history repeats itself. So, you know, we're just finally getting back to our roots. 
Um, and I feel like, again, just having these transparent conversations allows for that healing to occur um, just, you know, globally, internationally. Like, let's just move this thing. We're Earth. Like, it's all connected. And, you know, um, I'm loving that, you know, we are able to to bring forth what has occurred so that the healing can begin so that we all can move forward collectively. Beautiful. Yeah, very well put. And Sarah, you brought up, you pulled up the article, right? On NPR? Yes. What's it called? Uh, Black Mothers Keep Dying After Childbirth. Shaylon Irving's story explains why. Um, so she was here in Atlanta, um, as, as Sharon mentioned, and it's a story that's been picked up um, around, uh, you know, various social media and news platforms. It's, it's created a lot of conversation. And to your point, Sharon, albeit the topic might be disheartening and it might be painful, but the conversation is being had. Um, and so then I think it creates that space and platform through the birth workers, through the, the healers and the light workers, like what you're doing, you create that space then for the women who are coming into this new phase of, of pregnancy and motherhood, you know, and particularly African American women and women of color and different ethnicities and backgrounds, they might even be more fearful now to embark on this journey. But with that and your work and your service, you can address that kind of recontextualize, lay down some healing work and then create the space for future generations to be healed so that we're not having this conversation in however many decades that this isn't the still current issue. But, you know, while it, it can be very painful to talk about, it is being talked about. And so I think that's important. No, absolutely. Like, I feel like that's the only way that healing can occur unless we, if we don't talk about it, then it it, it just, we keep just throwing the dirt underneath the rug and nothing gets solved. And so I'm glad that I didn't, you know, I was, I was wondering if it was like a a story in Atlanta, like if it had, you know, I, I did listen to the podcast, but I'm glad to hear that, you know, it is generating, you know, awareness because it's not just one story it's right. happening all the time right. all the time and oh man like just even you know me I've had now and I'm so glad Matthew because Sarah Matthew and I were trying to talk and he was saying like we were trying to fit it in earlier this year this interview so I'm glad that we're having it now you know mm. um in this year, because I even now had to have a different experience. I had previous experiences in the hospital setting, always supporting, you know, um, a doctor, um, a OBGYN. I just, my last birth, I was able to support a midwife and still in the hospital setting, but it's a totally different experience than what I had just previously, even with her just being with her patient and like sitting in the room with her and attending to her needs and asking her if she was okay. You know, um, it was an entirely different experience from previous doctors and nurses in and out. And, you know, in the environment that you create in that birthing space is so important Mm. um, because it's so sacred. You know, it's, I feel like it's one of the purest expressions of God. Like, you know, it's that fine line between life and death that a woman is towing Mm. and she needs to be able to navigate that and and be at peace and be clear and know what she's going to be dealing with. And a lot of times what these women are experiencing is not that it's chaos. 
And so how can you birth and have and bring forth life amongst chaos Mm. and not expect trauma to take place in that space? Mm. It doesn't make sense to me. No, it it doesn't. (laughs) I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the wow. It, it's so clear that the work you do is is so needed and um and valued and you know as as a man um I some these conversations for me are always interesting. You know, being on this podcast because this is a podcast about about birth and there's so much that the conversations that uh, surround the moms and the women and I love that. And so as a man, you know, I want to ask you, Sharon. I want to ask how can men and partners support women, support you know their their pregnant wives, girlfriends, partners, and and you know as they're preparing for childbirth, how can we support them better? Well, Matthew, I'm actually glad that you are swinging this you know conversation towards the men because too before I even answer your question, I want to say that you know birth is not just a woman, even though I'm speaking to it in that manner and in that aspect. It's a family thing, and it's important that the men are there in the room. And in the hospital settings, they don't really acknowledge them. My husband probably could have a whole conversation with you around the treatment that he received, you know, in the hospital setting, and even what I'm, I witnessed about dad. So, you know, it's a disconnect um, within that space. And so thank you for saying that, because I don't want, I'm saying woman, because that's, you know, the capacity in which I'm there to hold space for her, but also for for the fathers as well and helping them to advocate for them. And, you know, in my last birth, the father, you know, he wanted to hold his child, but, you know, he had clothes on and I'm trying to tell him and educate him behind, you know, you are blocking your child from experience and the, the utmost love that, you know, the oxytocin of your skin and how important the skin to skin contact is. And so men are very much present and doula work is not just for the women. And I want to acknowledge that and not make it seem like I'm only in the capacity to support the mom. And I'm also there to make, to, to make fathers and dads and partners feel supported and welcomed in that space as well. And to your point and to answer your question, Matthew, what ways can our partners be of more support to us? It's just by being there and being present and also being open to receiving education um, around, you know, um, health care and birthing and not just making it seem as if it's a woman's thing. And that goes to being at the doctor's appointments, being involved in, you know, the interviews and appointments for the midwives and doors, but also recognizing the importance of the work that these healthcare professionals in whatever capacity is that they're doing, but just educating yourself. Um, as well is so important so that you feel like you are can be in, like you can be empowered in those spaces so that if your partner or the doula is not able to speak up for whatever reason in the moment that you can feel comfortable being able to speak up um, and advocate for your partner while she's navigating that space because it's so important. It is so important because things can move really fast and really quickly. And so just the importance of being present and always being aware while things are going on. It, 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 it's the utmost um, help and service that you can do to your, can be to your partner. I love that. I love that. And so as a quick recap for all the men and partners who are listening, uh, what I heard you say, Sharon, is first of all, be present. 
So be there, mm-hmm. you know, be there mm-hmm. uh, for your, for your, your partner, support her, um, you know, be present at appointments, uh, be there. And the, the second thing I heard you really emphasize was educating yourself. And so as men, mm-hmm. as fathers, as partners, we can be educating ourselves so that, you know, we feel confident and we can show up more powerfully in a supportive role, but then we can also advocate for our wives, girlfriends, partners, as you know, as things are happening, because like you said, sometimes if you choose a hospital setting, you know things might be happening, and and you know th- there might be conversations being had, and you know the mom may not necessarily be able to advocate for herself uh, in that moment, but we as men can step up, you know, when we're educated, when we feel powerful and 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 confident in our roles, we can step up and support and advocate for our you know our women. That's what I heard you say. Absolutely. Well Wonderful. said. Yeah. And I want to leave. I want. I want. I'd love for you to give one more example. So I want to hear something that your husband Vincent did. Uh, some some way that he supported you. That you know, whether it was through the pregnancy or the birth experience, that you really truly appreciated. So that uh, the, you know the the dads and partners listening right now can maybe take that idea and run with it themselves. So what's one thing that Vincent did that you loved? One thing that he did that I loved is that, and some people may not agree, but when, again, I told you all my labor and delivery was very traumatic. So Savannah actually had ingested some of the amniotic fluid and she spent um, her time and her stay in the hospital in the NICU because, um, because of that. And one thing I love that he did, and he always questions, like, was it the right choice? But he actually left me to go be with her. And for me, that was the greatest support that he could um, have. It. My mom was still in the room with me. So that was also okay because my, my mom was there. But I love that he was there with her. And then also he was just, you know, um, very present um, with me while after while I was healing through my traumatic experience. Again, just listening. Um, to me, and he also shared that it was traumatizing for him to go through it from the other side. So we had, you know, transparent conversation about it um, after the fact. So I think those those are three things: just you know, him being present with our daughter after we both, you know, experienced some um, trauma, and then holding space for me beyond that. You know, after once I recognized in hindsight that I had experienced trauma, he was present for me. Um, and then just us having transparent conversations with each other about both of our experiences so that we both could heal and um, move forward um, and be able to connect with people like you, Sarah, and Matthew to be able to just move this further and try to create better experiences for our children um, and for our children, children, so we're not having these conversations in the years to come. Yeah, I love that. And I, I just want to reinforce that the last thing you said, those transparent conversations, you know, dads and soon to be dads and partners out there, that happens when you allow yourself to be vulnerable. And there's, there's so much strength and power in in being vulnerable. So, you know, that can look like sharing your, your fears, your, you know, your apprehensions, what makes you feel anxious during pregnancy, you know, while you're preparing for that birth event or, um, in the case of, of, of Vincent, like you were saying, Sharon, you know, Vincent experienced some trauma as well, being on the other side of things. And so 
he allowing himself to be vulnerable in those transparent conversations with you, it allows him to heal, to heal that trauma himself so that he can, you know, be his full, most powerful self. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm slapping the sticker of vulnerability on top of that so that everybody out there can, can just practice that. You know, sometimes it's a muscle that if we don't exercise it, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it atrophies, you know, and just practicing being vulnerable and, and pregnancy and birth is a really fantastic time for men to show up and practice that vulnerability because I think it strengthens the relationship with the mom. You know, it, it makes you as a man feel more confident because like I said, there's so much power in, in being vulnerable. So that's my, my little caveat to what you said, Sharon. I agree a hundred percent. Like, thank you for saying that and adding it to it because that's his experience. And I wouldn't even have been able to say that. So thank you for even bringing me into that space with you to add vulnerability up there because it's so important. Mm. Um, I'm wondering, Sharon, I want to switch gears for a second and ask you what some resources are that you would recommend to women looking for more support, looking to educate themselves. Like you said, you know, depending on where they may fall on the scale of their, their access to care or, you know, whatever that is, what are some of your favorite resources that you either direct clients to, or that you would recommend women check out and empower themselves with? Sure. Um, one thing that I always, um, suggest doing is connecting with um, local nonprofits in your area. Like there are a lot of nonprofits, particularly in urban cities that are now offering doula care services for free. Um, And so that's a great place I feel to start because a lot of those places um, are now connecting mom and women with resources, even beyond just doula care. They even offer things like um, aftercare and having an in-home support person come in to show moms about breastfeeding and also uh, connecting them with lactation consultants. So I'm loving seeing that and I'm always utilizing that as a resource um, to my clients. Um, Another resource is just uh, educating yourself around the labor and delivery process, you know, what to know while you're, um, when you first get pregnant. I don't even know the title of that book. That sounds so horrible. But you know that book that everybody has when they get pregnant. Um, Oh, what to expect. What to expect when you get pregnant. I feel like it's a great resource. I definitely was able to educate myself during my own pregnancy from reading it. Um, I also would suggest dads reading it as well um, to, um, to prep um, another resource is I love suggesting prenatal yoga. I'm like I said, I'm a yoga instructor. So uh, even sometimes I offer prenatal yoga to my clients if they're open to that experience. Um, but I feel like it is definitely a, a great resource and a great avenue to connect with just to prepare for the labeling and the delivery process. Mm. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. And we're going to include um, links to any of the specific things that you mentioned um, in the show notes. So those listening, you know, anything that Sharon has dropped as far as a resource or whatever, we will have links there. Um, Sharon, you're so awesome. I I, I really appreciate you. Um, I, I would like you to share with listeners what where they can connect with you and learn more about you and all the other awesome things that you're doing. Sure. Uh, your listeners can connect with me at SharonElise.com. It's 
S-H-A-R-O-N-E-L-I-S-E.com. I'm also on social media at Sharon at least 12. Um, and I would love to connect and just talk more about this in any way, shape, or form, in any way I can be of support, even connecting clients with other doulas. Mm. I now see that there's, you know, I think it's just so important that, you know, women are supporting each other in this way and um, that we all just are able to connect um, and share in this conversation. I am so grateful to you, Tara and Matthew, for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here and to just have this conversation with you guys. I'm, I'm really humbled um, by this experience and honored to be here. Mm. Sharon, the, the feeling is mutual. Yes, we received that. Yeah, thank you for coming on and, and really cracking open a conversation that we haven't had a lot of on this show and for, you know, just, just, just bringing it. And I, I appreciate that very much because I think there's a lot of things that we talked about which are so important for moms, for dads, for partners. And um, yeah, just the work that you do is so needed. So really, really thank you, Sharon. Thank you. Thank you. note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>